Flexibility in halacha. Hi, inish gazlana atika. So because there is flexibility in halacha, and because halacha has to be applied in every generation, in every era, in every context, every place, every community, every individual, that subtlety of application, the, the how to use the, the flexibility, what the parameters of the flexibility are, is not something you can learn in a sefer. You can go through the whole of Shulchan Aruch, you're not going to learn how to apply the Shulchan Aruch. Even when you look at, at Chilas and Shubas, if you study the various responses that have been written, been written through the centuries, you'll, you'll get a bit more of a, of a sense of it, but still that was applied for those, for those periods. How does one apply to one's own period? To understand how to, how to apply halacha, that comes from Shimush, that comes from a Masorah, that comes that's handed down through apprenticeship by working with a posek, by studying with a posek, by watching a posek, uh, by serving a posek, that's where one learns the subtlety of how to manage the flexibility of halakha so that it, uh, it, it makes sense in a given context. A lot of that we learn from, from storytelling. A lot of that you have from personal experience if one is fortunate, and otherwise you get it from, from the, the stories of the great poskim, the Gedolia poskim, and one learns from that. And today is a day of storytelling. We're starting with the Gemara, we have a story in the Gemara, and I'll tell you other stories as well, which will give us insight into four dimensions of Psak, four dimensions of this angle of, of, of Psak, of making halachic decisions, and they apply to all areas of leadership. It's not only in the area of Psak. The one is intuition. If you don't have intuition, you can't Paskin. If you don't have intuition, you can't lead. The second is context. You need to understand the context in which you're making the decision. It's not just understanding the material. You can understand the Shulchan Aruch, but do you understand the community in which you're making the decision? Do you understand the circumstances of the people for whom you're making the decision? That's the second level. The third is having responsibility, that there's a different level of, of accuracy when one is when has a sense of responsibility and accountability. And the fourth is siyata dishmaya. You've got to be in a situation where you've got support from Hashem because it's not possible to know all the factors when it comes to psak. You can't even know all the factors in Torah because Torah is so limitless. You can't even know the material perfectly. You certainly can't know the circumstance per perfectly. You know what you can see. And so one needs a lot of siyata dishmaya as well, both in, in psak and in, and in leadership, to be able to make a decision that is accurate. So we start with the story in the Gemara. How Gavra, once upon a time, there was a man. And the gazal padna de turi michavre. He stole a, a span of oxen. Azal karav buhu karva. He took his stolen oxen and he plowed his field and he planted his field and his field grew. Zarabu zara lasoif ahadrinu lamare. When he'd finished plowing his fields, he returned the cows, he returned the oxen to the owner. Atul rav nachman. They came before rav nachman. Amaluhu zilu shumu Not only do you have to return the oxen, which you've done already, but you've got to evaluate how much gain, financial gain, you received from the work that the oxen did in your field. How much is your field worth now compared to what your field was worth before you stole the oxen? Omale Rove, Rove says, Rove is his Talmud, Rove is Rav Nachman's Talmud. So Rove is sitting, he's doing Shimush, he's learning how to paskin. And he engages, he questions, he doesn't just sit there and watch, he questions. He says to Rove, 
Turi Ashbach, Aralo Ashbach, really? Was it only the oxen that were responsible for this improvement in the field? Did the, did the earth not produce the, the produce as well? Did the labor of the farmer not produce the produce? Why are you giving all the, all the shvach to the nigzal, to the person from whom the oxen were stolen? The oxen weren't the only contributors to the prophet. Omar, he said, ki kamin, and the shayim wakula. I didn't say you must give all the profit to him. Palga kamin, and my intention was we evaluate how much profit there was and give half to the owners of the oxen. Omar, he says, Rav, Rav, goes on with his Rebbe, Rav Nachman, sof sof gazelahu, v'kohadra be'ena. Don't you know Hilchus gazela, Rav Nachman? I'm surprised at you. You don't know Chesh and Mishpat? That he stole oxen. The din is you return oxen. You, you return what you stole. The fact that indirectly, clearly you've you've been over in Israel and so, but but just return the the oxen. Did nan In our very Mishnah here, the beginning of our gezelatim. Don't you know the Mishnah that you've got to return it as it is at the time of the gazela? At this point, Rav Nachman says to Rava, "Lo Haven't I told you before? When I'm paskining a shaila, you keep quiet. Don't question me. Because Rav Huna, our great chaver, our great colleague, Rav Huna himself has said, I and the shvor malka, the, the prince, the, the majesty, which is Shmuel, they called Shmuel the Shvor Malka as Achi Bedina. We are brothers in, in Psak. I'm as great as Shmuel. Rav Nachman learned with Shmuel when he was a very young boy. And he teaches a lot of Shmuel's Torah. Rav Nachman's father was the secretary in Shmuel's Bezdin. So Rav Nachman grows up with the, with the Hadrocha of Shmuel, with the system of Shmuel. And Rav Huna said that Rav Nachman is as great as Shmuel when it comes to, to Psak. And Rav Nachman reminds Rav of this. So, so you just keep quiet. Don't, don't question me. What I know and you don't know is that this gazlan is a, a professional gazlan. He's a thief. This is not the first time he's taken anything. This is what he does. He takes people's property and he uses it. And I wanted to punish him. So although if I would just give him the halacha, says return the oxen, then he'll go on doing it. You go and steal somebody's oxen, you use, the, you use them for a few days and you return them. That will just go on and on. I need to stop this behavior, and the way to stop the behavior is by imposing a punishment on it. The reef paskins from here, that you see from here, that this kind of knas, this kind of punishment, you can even apply in chutzot. Normally, knas, punishment that is, that is given by a base, and can only be done near to Israel, by those dayanim, those judges who've got proper smicha going all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu. But in Babylon, outside of Eretz Israel, they weren't allowed to do that. But Rav Nachman was in Bovil. So you see from here, says the Reef, that this is a different kind of class. This is judicial discretion. This is not a class that the Torah imposes. This is the Dayan, the judge himself decides to impose it. And that kind of class, the Reef is Mechadesh, based on the Gemara, that you can do this even in Babylon, which would mean you could do it even today. Because Rav Nachman was in Bovil and he made the class. And we see also in Sanhedrin that they used to punish people in various different ways. Shalomina Torah, Velola Voral Divre Torah. They're not transgressing the Torah, these judges. Elola Sot Siagla Torah. Sometimes you've got to protect the Torah. And you remember, I defined for you the difference between the Doraisa and the Darabon. And Doraisas are the halochas given to us for the world as it should be. The Rabbonin are the laws given to us for the world as it is. So the Rabbonin take the ideals of the Torah and they apply it. So 
ideally you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to do this but because people behave in funny ways and you need to modify their behavior there are times when leaders of the community have to impose punishment so as to, to discourage certain behaviors and that says the rift can be done anywhere the Bach says there's a different version of the of the riff, which is the main one, which adds, but it has to be somebody who's been appointed for that purpose. It can't just be every, any little village rabbi. The Rashbor brings that in Shilas and Chuvas. Just notice the Shilas and Chuvas, what number this is. This is number 962, and that's just on Arachayim. So the Rashbor, in, in addition to all the Perushim he wrote on the whole of Shas and the many other things he wrote, Teres Abayis, many things he wrote. 962 we're on here in Arachayim alone. It's only one chelik of Shulchanot. You see how prolific the Rashbor was. And the Rashbor says, Shatorash shelanu emet. Our Torah is complete and true. V'dinea emet. U'mechayev ha-shakranim v'ha-almim shelomidin sh'ar b'nei adam. And so you've got to treat liars and bullies different from the way you treat other people. There are different rules that apply because otherwise you'll never stop the liars and the bullies. If you treat liars and bullies the same way as you treat Sadiqim, the liars and the bullies will carry on lying and bullying. If you treat terrorists the same way as you treat an ordinary person in the street, they'll carry on terrorizing people. That's who they are. You've got to treat them differently. It says the Rashbo, and the Torah understands that and, and wants that. The Shukhanov passes at La'alocha in Simon Beis. The Vilnagon references Al Gemara as the source of, of it. And Rav Kook brings it interesting. Rav Kook wrote a beautiful sefer on the Bir Hagra, on the beginning of Choshim Mishpat, on Yuchas Dayonim. Rav Kook's known for his philosophy, but people don't realize what an enormous posek in Talmud Chochem the, the Rav Kook was. And he brings it, he doesn't say, Dafke, if it's a, the senior Dayan has been appointed, he just brings it as a, as a din that one's allowed to do. So what's interesting here is to notice that Rav Nachman doesn't criticize Rova and say, Rova, don't you know, Simon such and such, Sif such and such, you've, you've forgotten. That their argument is not on halachic content. Their argument is not about whether or not some particular law applies or it doesn't. What is the argument? What does Rav Nachman say to Rova? Rova, you're right. If this was an ordinary case, you're right. But what you're missing is what we call the fifth chilek of Shulchan Aruch. There was a case with Reboruch Tumim Frankel, this was the 18th century, where a young man came to him for smicha, and he questioned him in all four sections of Shulchan Aruch. Archaim, Yeridea, Evan Mishbet, the man knew it all. Very, very impressive. So Reboruch Frankel says, you, you know Shulchan Aruch, I, I need to test you now on the fifth chilek. Do you know the fifth chilek of Shulchan Aruch? And the young man said, there are only four chalachim, there are only four sections of Shulchan Aruch, and I know all four, it says, Said Rabbi Frankel, no, there's a fifth chalik. The fifth chalik is that which can't be written. You either get it or you don't. It's the common sense. It's the intuition that comes with halacha. And since then, we've called it the fifth chalik of Shulchan Aruch. And here you see Rav Nachman saying to Rava, don't question me when I paskin, because when I paskin, I don't just use the four chalakim of Shulchan Aruch. I don't just use the four sections of Shulchan Aruch, which you're bringing proof from. I use the fifth chalik of Shulchan Aruch as well. And therefore that, that applies. It's interesting that when Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Orbach gave us an example of this fifth chalik of, of Shulchan Aruch, a beautiful story of Rabbi Zalman, Yerushalayim. There was a young boy who was talking in Torah there after the shir. They used to gather around Rabbi Zalman and they used to talk in Torah. And this young boy said something, this young man said, said something, it was, it was brilliant. And Rabbi Zalman goes on and he praises him, how brilliant, what an unbelievably brilliant and brilliant. And the young boy is feeling very, the young man is feeling very embarrassed because the truth is it, is, it wasn't his thought. He got it from the shach in Shulchan Aruch. 
and he wanted to say to Rabbi Sezalman, oh, don't, don't praise me that much, this wasn't mine, this is, this is the shach. But Rabbi Sezalman didn't give him a chance to say it. He just kept on going on, what a wonderful boy you are. Afterwards, Rabbi Sezalman called the young man and said, I know that that was a shach, that that wasn't yours. But you're getting on in years. Clearly, you're having trouble finding a shidduch. I wanted all the rabbonim in the room to know what a great boy you are. And so I, uh, I made as if it, 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 it was your idea so that you should, uh, you should be able to get a good, a good shidduch. Shab Shalom Zalman says, that's for Threlich of Shukhanach. To realize, to, to minimize yourself, to elevate the other, to give him a chance, give him a leg up. What does it hurt you? But it, it looks as if Rabbi Sezalman is making himself look as if he doesn't know that it's a shak. doesn't matter. That's fifth chelik of Shukhanurach, Rabbi Shalom Zalman used to say. And so that's the intuition. That's the one piece that one needs. The second is, the, is context. So Rav Nachman says to Rova, it's not just intuition. I know this man. I know this community, he's done it before. You just walk in from the outside and you're quoting Simonim and Shulchan to me. But you're not looking at the context, you're not looking at the situation to which we're, we're applying that. I was fortunate to learn that so many times from Rabbeim. When I was already in, in Rabonis in, in South Africa, I came to, to Israel and I said to Mayor Soloveitchik, I wanted to learn to, to become expert in, in Maris and the laws of Nido, you have to be able to distinguish between different colors of blood. And that's very, very subtle and, and very, very difficult. And I said, I, I would like to become expert in that area. So he said, go and learn with Mayor Brandsdorfer. Mayor Brandsdorfer was a POSIC in Mayor Shorim, who he said was the expert in this area. He said, but don't learn Psak from him. Only learn the colors from him. The Psak you do. Because you can't transplant halacha from Meir Shorim to Johannesburg. You've got to apply it in Johannesburg for that community. All you can learn from him is, is, the, is the maris. It's got to be indigenous to the community in which you're paskening. And that's why the local rov is so important. The rov of the kihila is so important. Yes, you can go to the Godel Hador, you can go to Bnei Brak, you can go to Yerushalayim, you can go to New York, you can ask the Godel Hador. But you're going to get the, the pure halacha, you're not going to get applied halacha. And applied halacha has to be by the rov. And that's why you ask the shaila to the local rov. If the local rov needs to, he'll go to the godel ador, and he'll get the psak from the godel ador, and then he'll bring it back and he'll apply it indigenously in, in his own community. That's the role of the local rov, which becomes so important. My father used to tell me that once a, a, a woman came into Rebellia Lopia, and he was busy, he was preparing his shear, and she comes with, a, with an egg spot. Is, is, is this an, an, is the egg kosher or isn't it? Showed him the blood on the egg. He looks at it, he takes down the shulchan oruch, and he goes and he spends 15 minutes on it. He says, no, that's kosher. My father said to Rebellia, really? Did you need to, <laughs> you really needed to look up the shulchan oruch? He said, no, but if I didn't take the shaila seriously, she wouldn't come and ask again. She needs to know that it was a good question, that I had to look it up. She needs to feel proud that she brought it. But that's knowing the person. That's what a rov does when he knows the person. You don't get that if you just go to a person who's in, an, in another city. And one of the very difficult questions that I brought to Rav Moshe when I had the amazing opportunity of, of living in Rav Moshe's house and learning with him and with his grandson for the, literally three months before he passed away, for six weeks I lived in his house. And I asked him once something that applied in South Africa. And he said, look, I can't paskin for you because I don't know the situation. I don't know South Africa. You there, I'll give you the principles. Here are the principles. I'll teach you the principles. And you have to go and you paskin, you paskin there. So over and over again, I got that message of the importance of, of the local, of the person who understands the context of the, of the shaila. And the third one is, we've got intuition, we've got context. The third one is responsibility. 
And there I've often given you the, the example of the, I was learning Shechita by that same Reb Meir Brandstorfer. And he was teaching me how to check a knife. And there was a Shechit that he took me to in Meir Shorim. He was teaching me how to check a knife. And he asked me to check a knife. And I couldn't find anything wrong with it. And he said, it's, try again, try again, try again. Eventually he said, look, that, that I can't use this knife. The knife is possible. The knife is not okay. Tell me where the problem is. I couldn't find it. I said, the knife is perfect. He shook his head. He said, come outside. And he showed me all the Jews in Meir Shorim. He said, these are my customers. You've got smicha already. Take the knife. If you hand it to me, I'll shech, they'll eat. And it'll be on your head. Now check the knife again. Oh, and then it was easy. Then I could find exactly what was wrong with it. He said, you should remember, never paskin if you don't have responsibility. Because you just don't have the, the, the siyat edishmai. You don't have the alertness. Backseat driving is dangerous. The person who's driving, who's making the decisions, has so much awareness and such sharpness. Somebody who doesn't have the responsibility, it doesn't make a difference. There's no real consequence to his decision. doesn't have that same sharpness. So that's what, that's what, what he taught me. And the fourth one is siyat edishmai. So we have intuition, context, responsibility, and Hashem's guidance. And that Rebbe Moshe Sternbuch told me once of the story of the Shuas Yaakov. And I've told many of you these stories before. I tell them again, not because I think you've forgotten them, but because they need to get, they need to penetrate into your being. They're so important. The Shuas Yaakov was walking, he was visiting a town and he walked past a butcher. The butcher calls him and says, Yeshuas Yaakov, so happy to see you. And we've got a Shiloh on a, on a cow here, on an ox. Shuas Yaakov looks at the ox. He says, it's kosher, it's okay. That night, the Yeshua Yaakov can't sleep because he suddenly remembers there's a taz that he forgot about. And according to the taz, the ox is trafe. So he runs back to the butcher early the next morning. It's this terrible thing. I made a terrible mistake. The, the ox is trafe. He says, it's already been eaten. It was, there was a wedding last night and the, the ox has been eaten already. And the Yeshua Yaakov said, I will not be challenged in Shemayim because I didn't know the taz. That can happen. person doesn't know everything. You can forget something. It can happen. I will be challenged in Shemaim that I passed the Shaila in a town where I wasn't the Rav. And you don't have Siyat Edishmai if you don't have responsibility. And those are principles that apply in all areas of leadership. You need intuition, you need to understand the context, you need to have responsibility, and you need Siyat Edishmai. And you can't second guess the person who's in the position of power. And we should know this now because there are people in position of power who are making decisions that sometimes look to us very questionable. And maybe they are, maybe we're not. All we need to know is there's no point in us second-guessing them. We don't have one fraction of the intuition that they have, of the context that they have, of the responsibility that they have, and hopefully the siyat edishmaya that they have. One has to look and hope and pray, and that's why we say a tefillah on Shabbos, we say a tefillah for Shlom HaMalchus, that the Rebbein should give wisdom to, to governments because they have to make decisions. And all we can do is sit and hope that they're making right and good decisions. But all the dinner conversations about Bibi should be doing this and the Ramat Kal should be doing that, it's all nonsense. What do you know? What do we know? We're not in that situation. Even the Yeshua Yaakov gets it wrong because he passed in the Shaili when he didn't have the responsibility. You think you, without any responsibility at all, are going to know what has to be done in Gaza and what has to be done in Iran and what has to be done with his, his wallet? It's not, it's not even possible. So you might as well relax, let them do their job, daven for them, support them as best we can. You've got a democratic right. If you think they're not doing a good job, you can change them. You can do what you want to do. But to sit and talk about whether they're doing the right or the wrong thing is childish. At the end of the day, they, they have the four dimensions of psak and of leadership that we lack, and we have to respect that as well.